Welcome to the Heal Deal Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Leona Allen, and I'm here to help you achieve more freedom in your health and your life. I'm the founder of Freedom Health Systems, and I've been a licensed chiropractor and wellness coach for over two decades. I've helped men, women, and children transform their lives by removing the physical, chemical, and emotional barriers to natural healing. Every week, I'll be taking you on a journey, a journey where you will discover the real truth behind what it takes to heal your mind, body, and soul. Allow me to be your guide as you travel this road to renewed health and a new life. It's time to make a deal with yourself to heal yourself. Please keep in mind that this podcast is for educational purposes only and not to be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. With that said, let's begin. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Heal Deal Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Leona Allen, and you know my mission is to help you achieve more freedom in your health and your life. And I'm always excited to have a guest on the show. And this guest, very special guest, we kind of connected on these podcast streets. And a lot of it has to do with the name of our podcast. You know, I'm the Heal Deal Podcast with Dr. Leona, and he is actually a podcaster as well. The Heal Deal, hold on. The Deal to Heal podcast with E. James. So we kind of connected that way and shared our stories. And I'm excited to have him on this platform to share his story. And his mission is to help others deal, heal, and fulfill. But I'm going to let him tell you what his mission is about. Again, my guest is Ernest James. And I want to welcome you. Thank you for being on this show today. And I'm going to go ahead and just start off this episode with you sharing a little bit about yourself. Go ahead and introduce yourself. All right. All right. First of all, let me say thank you uh, for having me. Again, my name is Ernest James. Uh, I am a podcaster. I am a speaker. I am an author, uh, amongst other things. Um, But at my core, I always say I'm just a person that loves people and loves to help people any way that I can. And so that's at my core, this is who I am. And so through speaking, uh, through podcasting, uh, we mentioned about the the name of the podcast. So the name of my podcast is the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. And it, it was so many, there actually a, a couple Deal to Heal podcasts. And so that's why I threw my name in there. I was like, okay, I got to make mine different. So I <laughs> made my Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. And so my mission is to help people to deal, heal, and fulfill, to deal with your problems, to heal from the pain, and to fulfill your purpose. And that kind of came out of my own journey going through some trials over the last couple of years and trying to find myself and like, why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? And that just kind of came to me one day and it kind of was a theme throughout, you know, a lot of the stuff that I was doing. And so when I decided to do the podcast or start the podcast, which is a whole nother journey, that's a whole nother story by itself, how I even got to that point. But when I decided to do the podcast and I was like, well, what do I want the name to be? And because that had been echoing so much in everything I was doing at the time, I was like, all right, that's it. The Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. And so that's what that's where we started. Again, that's my mission. 
to help people to deal, heal, and fulfill. Deal with your problems, heal from the pain, and fulfill your purpose. And mm-hmm. so we've been doing that in, in different ways through workshops, through speaking, uh, through ebooks. I got four ebooks out right now. And, you know, just pushing that message and, and trying to get it out here to let people know there is healing that's out here that's available for all of us, no matter what we're going through. Uh, because my platform, I always say I haven't been through everything and neither do I want to go through everything. <laughs> so I speak all the things that I've dealt with in my life. And then I bring on guests like yourself to talk about the things that they've been through and how they made it through. And so because of that, I have such a wide array of, of guests and topics that we hit because I'm trying to hit as many healing points as I can, you know, for my audience. And so uh, that's me in a nutshell. Uh, that's what I've been doing the last couple of years. And again, that's how we met. And so here we are again. And I love it. I love it. And I'm really into the power of story. Because sometimes the best way to connect with people and their pain and their struggles is by sharing our stories. Because a lot of people listen to us and think, wow, how they how do they figure it out? But they need to know that it wasn't always this way. Mm-hmm. It's about our failures and our weaknesses and our lessons that we learn in life. And I would like to know what really got you to this point? What was your biggest lesson and your biggest failure that really helped you turn that into the success that you experienced today? Well, my, my failure actually started really early. Right. And and I, I often say I was blessed because my failure was so early. And so when I talk about my failure, I have to go all the way back to second grade. Right. And so I come from a family of uh, two parent household, my mom and my dad um, with eight siblings It's nine of us all together. And so my parents is big on education. My dad went to college. My mom went to college. My mom was actually going to college to be a lawyer at a time before she changed and became a pastor. So that's a whole nother story. But so in, in our upbringing, education was always a big thing. And so when report cards would come, you know, in my household, we would have to, of course, stand before the judge, which was my dad and, and answer for whatever that you know, grades were that was on that report card. And so I remember when I was in second grade, I was going through this phase, I guess you'll call it, where um, I've always been kind of quiet, you know, but there was a kid in my class who was like the class clown and we were real close. And so he was like Batman and I was Robin. So whatever he did, I just was like running behind him, you know, following him or whatever. And so what happened um, when we got to the end of the school year, pretty much our teacher sat us down and said, you know what? Uh, one of you guys are going to pass and one of you guys are going to fail because both of us probably technically worth was failing, but she didn't want to fail both of us because we were so close, you know? And so she said, well, one of you guys are going to fail. One of you guys is going to pass. And he passed and I failed. And so I remember when the report cards came out again, got to stand before the judge. And so my dad calls me in the living room. He's standing there. I come in you know, he got the report card on one hand, he got his belt in the other hand, you know, and I'm sitting there looking up at him and he starts talking to me about this report card. And he says a couple words that changed my life, the rest of my life. And he said, I'm disappointed in you. Mm-hmm. And he began to start talking to me because I'm junior. I'm the first son. So I have his name and he's like, you got my name. 
you know, when you're representing yourself, you're not just representing you, you're also representing me, you're representing your mother, you're representing our family. And not only that, because I know who you are, I know our kids. He like, so I know you can do better than this and you're not. And so I'm disappointed because these grades is not a reflection of who you are. And so I would say that day I got the worst whooping I ever had. When he finished talking to me, he had tears in his eyes and he just turned his back to me. It was like, go out, you know, like go to your room. And I walked out, I'm bawling, you know, but from that day on, I made a, a pact with myself that I would spend the rest of my life making my my parents proud. And that was my first failure. And that was a turning point in my life. So from that day forward, I became an honorable student. I got all kinds of awards and stuff and, and you know, all of that stuff. You know, finished high, finished grammar school, finished high school in three years instead of four, went to college, got a college degree, all of that. But it started from that moment, that moment, which was my first failure that changed everything for me, you know, because I now had a why, which was what pushed me to do better. When I knew that no matter what happened, because I was so focused on making my parents proud that. It pushes me when I didn't want to work, when I didn't want to do the schoolwork, when I didn't want to, you know, stay up late and all of the work that went into not just becoming an honor roll in grammar school, but then going to high school and figuring out, you know what, because I had failed so early, I always felt behind because my cousins, my friends, they had went on to the next grade. So now everybody was a grade ahead of me. So I always felt behind. So when I graduated eighth grade, I said, I want to graduate with my right class. And so I went and I sat down and I mapped out my classes. We used back then we used to get a syllabus and they'll tell you all the classes that you needed to pass, you know, each grade and that you needed to have at the end of your four years of high school. So I mapped out all my classes and everything. And I went to my mom, like, mom, I want to graduate in three years. So we went to the school, talked to my counselor. The counselor was like, well, you can do it, but you got to get the principal's permission. Had a conference with the principal. The principal was like, if you pull it off, and you pass all the classes, I'll let you graduate in three years. And so I hit it, had to take some summer school classes to, to get ahead and all of that. But I did it. I graduated in three years with my right grade and with my family and friends that, you know, are of my age. We all graduated the same year. But again, it, that all stems from that first failure and that mindset change that I had from that talk with my dad. Wow. And you know, when you're saying that, you know, I'm listening to you. And one thing that you said that I found was important because I'm listening and sometimes I forget I'm the host, you know, I'm just listening to the story. Like, wow. <laughs> but one thing you said is that your dad was there. And I know one of the things you do is work with fatherless daughters. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important. And I'm listening to you and you had your dad there to push you at a very young age because a lot of people don't go through that until they're in their 30s and 40s. Right. So you're talking about second grade and you learned that yeah. lesson and it pushed you through your to your early adulthood. So it was like the power of having the father there or the parent there to really push you at a young age, because a lot of people don't have that because with the Hill Deal podcast, a lot of people are used to me talking about health and weight loss, but 
I want to expand this platform because healing is in so many different realms. Mm -hmm. It's not really about how you look and how you feel. It's also about the journey and the connections and the lessons you learn. And and now when I was listening to you, I was like, this is awesome. And really getting to the core of what that was. And that was mm -hmm. your father really telling you, hey, you can do better. You are better than this. And mm -hmm. that you learned this at second grade. You could have used mm -hmm. that information and said, oh, I'm a failure. My dad doesn't love me. And, you know, and just it just could have took you to another path. But you, Ernest, said, you know what? I am going to do better. And with that mindset and that drive that you have, how did that lead you into the rest of your life, the second half or the ne next uh, phase of your life? How did that impact that? Well, you know what? It's funny that you you mentioned about my dad and even with the with me being a fatherless daughter advocate, because that actually plays a part in it, too. And so I've been married before. I've actually been married twice. And my second marriage, I expected that one to last forever. The first one was like, I hoped it lasts forever. But the second one, I expected it to last forever. My wife at the time, who we are still very good, good friends, she's actually one of my oldest friends, right? So we met in kindergarten and we became friends uh, since kindergarten. We grew up together. Her mother ended up joining the church that we were a part of. And so we, we went to school together. Then we went to church together. When we hit our teenage years, we became each other's first boyfriend and girlfriend when we was like 12 years old, you know? And so it's a whole storyline you know, and we end up, you know, going our separate ways. I was married and I uh, have, have one biological child, which is my daughter. Uh, she was married to someone else and had uh, four sons from her marriage. Years passed, we'd end up coming back together and getting married and, you know, starting our own family together. And so with that whole storyline, even if, as part of me, I'm like, oh, we, we got it this time. It's, it's going to last forever. But as we got a couple of years into it, we started having some issues, right? And when I sat down and started going through the issues and the, the things that we had problems with that was in our marriage, I realized that at its core, it was from our upbringing because I came from a two-parent household with my mom and my dad, who was very present in my life. She came from a household where it was just her mom. And then there's one question when I'm dealing with fatherless daughters that I always ask is, what generation of fatherless are you? Are you first generation? Was your mother fatherless? Was her mother fatherless? And so in her situation, it went back a couple years. I know it went back at least to her grandmother. I don't know. I never asked her grandmother, you know, was she fatherless? But I know her mother was, and then she ended up being. And so though that dynamic with the upbringing and what that details being raised in a household with, with me, with my mom and my dad, and seeing my dad, father, not only myself, but my five sisters. And so me having that outlook and then her coming from a household where it's just her mom, you know, and then before her mom, it was just her mom. And they're running a household and, and putting things in, in perspective. But then I also realized as I began to look back on my dating history, that every woman I've ever dated was a fatherless daughter. And so I said, well, Either I'm attracted to them or they're attracted to me. But for whatever reason, we're, we're drawn to each other. And so me, again, with my heart of wanting to help people, I said, well, what can I do to help this community since I'm so connected to it? 
And so I started a, a page on Instagram called Friends of Fatherless Daughters, and where I just talked about fatherless daughters from number one, a, a man's point of view, number two, a father's point of view. And then as someone who has been dating fatherless daughters since I started dating, you know, <laughs> and so uh, I started that and I started getting a lot of traction, you know, with that page. And someone called me one day and said, I like what you're doing. Would you like to be on my podcast? And I said, okay, I didn't know much about podcasting. And I jumped out there and did that. And after that one, I probably got about six or seven more invitations to be on different podcasts. So I was doing podcasts as the, the friends of fatherless daughters. And one of the guys that was over one of the podcasts that I was a um that I was a guest on when I went to Texas, he lives in Texas. When I went to Texas, I was visiting my daughter and I called him and said, Hey, I'm in town you know, let's do lunch or whatever. So we connected for lunch. And in the midst of that conversation, he said, you need to have your own podcast. And I said, well, I never thought about it, didn't know too much about it. And, but the, the seed was planted and put some consideration into it. And the deal to heal with EJ's podcast was born. And I was uh, blessed to have him. And most of the people that invited me on their podcast was my first guest when I started. And he was one of those first guests um, on the podcast when I started. But again, with that whole story, that relationship with my dad of just having my dad in the house has not only played an intricate part in my life, but it even play, still plays a part in the work that I do today. Because not only am I a fatherless daughter advocate, I'm also a mentor. I also have a, a male mentoring group called uh Man Up, which stands for Men Activating Newly Untapped Potential. And so that example of a father and a man in my life, who my father is, because my father's still here with me, who he is, has definitely played out in my life and how I reach out to help others in the same way. Mm, I love it. And, you know, I'm listening and I know I'm just going to be like open book right now. But it's like we when we started, before we started recording, <laughs> we had this plan on what we were going to discuss. But I see this going in a whole new different direction. <laughs> you know, so this isn't rehearsed. This isn't planned. But I like to go with the flow with things because I think this is really important what you're talking about, about the fatherless daughters, because, you know, there are a lot of single parent homes. And I know it plays a role in very different dimensions of health, but we don't really realize it. And I think this is a very important core because I think it really affects our emotional health, not having yeah. both parents. Um, the relationship of our parents are very important. You know, I'm thinking about my life and my parents. You know, I had two parents, but they divorced when I was an adult. And then, um, but I still adopted a lot of their patterns. You know, my grandparents, they were divorced after my mother was an adult. And then I'm thinking about my father. And, and I remember he said one thing one day, and I have a favorite uncle, right? And he was married. She had passed away a few years ago. And I remember he was say, making a comment about that was his favorite sister-in-law, talking about his brother's wife. Mm -hmm. And then his son said, that's your only sister-in-law. And I thought about it. I'm like, I didn't even think of that. So yeah. I, I realized I come from a generation of single parent families or unhealthy mm -hmm. marriages, whatever that is. He was the only uncle that stayed married. And I was like, wow, 
I come yeah. from a generation of divorces. <laughs> you yeah. know, we get married and right. we might co-parent, but even whether you come from a single parent household or a co-parenting household, that could really play a whole role in how we develop and our habits and how we think and a lot of our journey, yeah. but we don't think about that. So you helped me yeah. really think about how that can connect with our livelihood. So yeah. anything more you want to say about that? Yeah, because you know what? And, and the, the good thing about it is now that you recognize it, right? Because even with myself, which why my first marriage, when, when I end up going through divorce with my first marriage, going, going back to talking about my parents, again, being raised in a household with my mom and my dad, who went through a lot of ups and downs, right? And so in my in my earliest memories, and I, and I share this story a lot, my dad worked for the phone company, right? And so we lived a nice, I would say middle class, maybe high middle class in my mind. You know, we had the big house with the two-car garage. We had the picket fence with the dog. We had a camper in the backyard where we would take road trips every year. You know, we had all of that. You know, and we lived really nice. My mom and dad had parties all the time. We have family come over and, and all of that. And so I remember all of that. But then I remember through the circumstances, I'm not even sure what happened with the circumstances where my dad lost his job and we lost everything. Mm -hmm. And so I remember my dad and my mom, they're nine kids with made 12 of us going from this big house with the picket fence and all of that. So all of us, all 12 of us sleeping in one bedroom in my grandmother's house. Mm. And we went from my grandmother's house to eventually we moved to the church and we were sleeping on the floor at the church. Then we moved to a church member's house where we slept on the floor at their house until my uh, grandmother ended up, my grandmother ended up buying this home, which was like a fixer upper. This house was in terrible condition, but it was a place for us to lay our head. And so my dad went to that house and he fixed up the kitchen, the bathroom and one bedroom. And him and my mom stayed in one bedroom. The rest of us stayed in the kitchen and we had the bathroom. And that's where we moved to. And that's where we lived. And little by little, he worked on this house until he built it out into a full functional house where we end up having our own rooms and everything. But there were some ups and downs through that whole time. And so me seeing that, you know, when my mom and dad sticking together through the uptime, but then also sticking together through the, the low time to the point that we were able to even watch them come back and watch them come up until we got back to the high times again. And so that was my that was my example of marriage, like a husband and a wife sticking it together no matter what. And so when I went through my first divorce, that was just devastating to me because it was like I didn't plan for that. You know what I mean? Like, that's not my example. Like, mom and dad is still married. You know, they're still hanging in there and, and I couldn't do it. And so I went through my own depression. Even with that, we can definitely talk about depression and, and suicidal thoughts because during that time period of my divorce, I always say I was living a D life. I was in debt. I was in depression. I was going through a divorce. And then my mother-in-law passed away, who was my wife's mom, who I was very close to. And a little while after that, my own mom passed away. And so the depression and everything really took over me at that time. And I went to a deep depression and even started thinking about suicide, you know? And so all of that plays a part. 
Um, but going back to my original point was just that example of a healthy marriage, which was what my example was. And so I just figured like, this is how it's supposed to go. But again, I'm attracted to women from broken homes. And so those two dynamics don't always meet because they didn't grow up with the example that I grew up with. They grew up with a mom struggling and doing everything herself and making all the decisions and, you know, making ends meet without the help of a man. And so they didn't necessarily have that same balance that I grew up seeing, you know. And so those dynamics, of course, clashed, you know, in my both of my marriages. But, yeah, just that those the examples that we see. And then, like I mentioned about you, now to thinking about it, now that you see it, now we're able to do something about it. Because now my sons, who are my sons from marriage, that I only have one biological child, which is my daughter, but now I'm able to talk to my sons in a way because now I've I've lived one reality as being raised in a home with a mother and father, but then I understand their mother's uh, journey. I understand it more because after I came to that reality, I started doing more research into fatherless daughters and all of that. So I understand, you know, where they're coming from. And so I'm able to teach my sons even in a different way of looking at their relationships, because now when we talk about generational curses and things like that, their mom came from a, a fatherless household. Their father came from a fatherless household, you know, and so now you got both of your maternal parents you know, that come from broken homes. So now how can we address that so we don't keep on doing the same thing generation after generation after generation? Yes. And so that was kind of how my mind went. And um, even going through that, I actually wrote an ebook. It's called The Four Core, which is the four core values that every daughter should get from her father. And that was kind of one of the other things that came out of this whole journey that I've been on with the fatherless daughters. Like, you know, Again, being able to give that to my sons and say, hey, this is what, number one, if you're attracted to a fatherless daughter, this is the the core things that she's still going to need as an adult. And if you are to have daughters, which I have two granddaughters now, <laughs> these are the things you want to make sure you're instilling in your daughters. And so, yeah, so that example of, of a healthy marriage have definitely played a, a big role in my life. Yeah, that is so key. I know someone out there need to hear this <laughs> because it just seems like uh, there's more single parent household than there are actually traditional families. And I know I just see it being older and just seeing, you know, the younger kids grow up. I know that's why society is changing so much because mm -hmm. that lack of that balance, you know, having the mother there and the father there. I know that's part of the issue. And oh my goodness, I had another thought, but I was just into the conversation and listening to you. But like I said, I know someone needs to hear this and you having that perspective because you grew up seeing what it looks like. And I think that what it comes to is back to your deal to heal. People don't know what they don't know. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these relationships could have been fixed if we realize that that's what was being caused. It wasn't like the person, it was just that expectation of what that person has seen and what that experience. So it makes it, we just have to change and really getting to know people more and understanding their story and learning how they deal with stress. Because sometimes when people are treating us a certain way, that that's what they've seen. They don't know right. any better, but we have to have these open conversations so people can just kind of see, oh, it's not, 
me, it's not you. It's how we were raised. It's what we've seen. It's what we've been led to believe. And that's what I've learned in my relationships and my marriages was like, you know, we were just two people that saw the world differently Mm -hmm. and we responded differently instead of really working to understand. It was like, ah, a bad day. It's time Mm -hmm. to go. But what I loved about your story is that through the good and the bad, you know, your parents stuck together where in today in 2023, people are like, I'm done. You you can't pay my bills. I'm moving (laughs) on. And that is just some people need to hear stories like that. It's not just wedding bells and uh, and then it's like, oh, and the sunset for the rest of your life. I think people have that illusion that that's what marriage is about. But it's really Mm -hmm. about when you marry someone, it's understanding everything. You're married to their past. You're married to their hurts. You're married to the trauma. And we, you know, we're to our imperfections and all of that. So, wow. One of the things I I, I like to talk about, uh, I like to bring up, even in my own story, when I'm sharing it, and we talked about me getting divorced, you know, from my, my second wife. And I often tell people, even in your story, nothing gets wasted. Everything you live through, everything you go through is for a purpose and on purpose, right? Because God created each and every one of us for a purpose. And the experiences that we have are for a purpose, you know? And so when I talk about my divorce uh, from my second wife, now being who I am now, I'll say, I throw it out there and I'll say, you know what, getting divorced was the best thing that ever happened to me. You know, and most people start laughing because they automatically think it from the negative point of view. And I would say, no, it's not. It has nothing to do with the actual divorce from my ex-wife, because one of the things we were very adamant about going through our divorce, which I mentioned before, we've known each other since kindergarten. She's one of my oldest friends. And so we made it a, a choice that even though our marriage was ending, we didn't want our friendship to end. And we didn't want to break up the structure of our family. And so we were very adamant about even going through the divorce in a way that we can still maintain our friendship. And so we're very much great friends even today, you know, uh, and we still parent together. We still co-parent, we still co-grandparent together, you know. And so that chapter, even though it started off as a negative it's still very much a positive because now I've done episodes on podcasts where I talk about the relationship that we have, because most people think automatically like, Oh, you went through a divorce. You can't stand each other. I'm like, no, we, we're great friends. You know what I mean? And we were able to maintain our friendship even after our divorce, you know, even our relationship with our children, my daughter, who is my only biological child, she never had daughters. And so her and my daughter's relationship was special for both of them. Number one, my daughter got a bonus mom, but then she got the daughter that she never had. And so their relationship even today is very tight and very solid. My relationship with my sons is very tight and very solid, even in the midst of us having a divorce. And so I often like to tell that part of the story too. And the amazing part of it, this whole journey that I am on now as a as a podcaster, as a speaker, as an author and all the things that I've done now was birthed out of going through my divorce. Mm-hmm. Because when I went through my divorce, one day I was just like, you know what? I'm not feeling it today. I'm going to go look up some inspirational videos on YouTube. 
And I was looking up some inspirational videos and I came across E.T., Dr. Eric Thomas, the hip hop preacher, who's the, yeah. the number one motivational speaker in the world. Yeah. And I came across a couple of his videos and that changed everything for me because not only did I see him speaking and, and definitely uplifting myself, but then that opened me up to the world of being a speaker, that it was even a possibility, which also opened up the world of, of podcasting. You know, so all of those doors was open up to me, which where I'm walking into now is being a speaker, being a podcaster, being an author, all of that opening because I went through my divorce. Because mm -hmm. if I was happily married, I wouldn't have been looking for motivational videos. I would have <laughs> never came across, you know. And so yeah. that sequence of events that led me to where I am now to be able to be a, a light, to be able to, you know, share my story with people. It came from a period that could very much be looked at as a negative. And so that's why I say my divorce was the best thing that ever happened to me because I still have my friend. I still have my family structure that's solid. And now I have this whole new adventure that I'm going on as a career to be able to speak life into people and, and share my story, you know, and all that came from my divorce. So I don't know. I don't know how to say it. <laughs> Nothing yeah. gets wasted. That's the that's the that's the uh the more of the story. Nothing get wasted. Your your triumphs. And right. your trials and your hardships all is a part of the the purpose that God has created you for to carry out. And so it, nothing gets wasted. Yeah, nothing gets wasted. One thing I like to say is turning your pain into power, mm -hmm. you know, because I remember when I got married, it's like I did the right thing, wait, you know, waited to have kids at marriage and all this stuff. And I never thought I'd be a single mom. And when I got divorced, I felt like a failure. I went through my own depression. I went through my own deep, dark place. But when I bounced back, I did come back stronger and more confident. And just really my faith really built up as well during that time as well. So not depending on a relationship or a man to define who I am. Mm -hmm. So I had to really focus on me and being strong in my relationship with God and, and just to make sure that I'm taking, you know, taking care of that aspect of me. So sometimes, sometimes these failures can turn into successes and make us and break us to the point that we need to rebuild ourselves to the person we're supposed to become because sometimes we do you know get a little comfortable in the marriage and just be like it is what it is you go by day by day nothing's growing nothing's building but the divorce helped me to just say hey we can't get comfortable we always got to grow and learn and develop so I just love that you said that. So I guess we can tie this into our original <laughs> thing we planned on talking about. So it's really acknowledging our, you know, we were talking about, you know, talking about acknowledging our failures and learning to deal with the problem. But a lot of it's acknowledging, hey, this is what happened. How can we turn this around to help ourselves and help others? So I guess we can go into our original topics yeah, yeah. and talk about how, you know, acknowledging our failures and being okay with that. Cause I'm listening and I'm thinking, as I talk about the divorce and you're talking about your divorce, we're both at a point where there's no anger, there's no more mm -hmm. depression, there's no more hate. It is what it is. What happened has happened. And I have moved on from that. So I can talk about my divorce without being, uh, you know, like, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. It, it saved right. my life in so many ways because it's made me who I am. 
You know, I don't think, I don't know if I'd be doing a podcast right now and really sharing my story, but I know that when people hear this, it will help them understand what they're going through. I know it will, because I talk to people all the time that are having problems, whether they're married or not, you know? So we really need to tie into the core of who we are. And that's really what healing's about. You know, we're not talking about diet and diabetes and all that stuff. We're talking about a different kind of healing. And I understand that moving forward at the end of the day is really fulfilling our purpose. That's really what healing is. Your purpose may be to lose 30 pounds. I don't know, everybody's different. But yours was to understand that relationship between a two-parent household. So just understand for the listeners, healing is different for everybody and healing at the core, whether it's dietary, overcoming a disease, is really about getting to the core of who you are and what you stand for and the purpose you're here to accomplish. So that's really about acknowledging our failures, which aren't really failures. You know, I like to say our failures need to be taken as lessons in life and that we learn from them. So the next thing, one one thing we had discussed talking about is walking into your weakness. Explain what that is. So oftentimes, right, we're always talking about being our greatest self, right? being our greatest self, being the best that we can be and, and things like that, and which is great, you know, and we all should aim for that. But the thing is, there's always going to be something that you're not that good at. You know, there's always going to be something that someone else may be better at, right? And oftentimes, because we're so focused on us trying to be the best version of ourselves or be the best at whatever that we're doing, when we're faced with the fact that we're not so good at something, we sometimes go into a depression about it or we start feeling down on ourselves. I'm not good at this and not good at that. But the reason why I say walk in your weakness, because your weakness is somebody else's strength. Mm -hmm. And so when you're able to, uh, to, to accept, okay, this is an area where I'm weak. Let me find someone who's strong in that area. And then not only do it takes the weight off you for not being strong because you're weak in that area, but it also gives them an opportunity to stand in their greatness because they're great in that area. They're strong in that area. So by acknowledging my weakness, I give you the opportunity to stand in your greatness. You know, yes. so now I'm not ashamed to say I'm not good at this because now I know Dr. Leona and she's awesome at this. So I can stand back and say, hey, I might not be good at it. I'll let you handle that. And we still get the results that we want. And so <laughs> there, uh, there was a book and I, I don't get paid to talk about the book, but there's a book that's called Not How, But Who. And the, the premise of the book is we're often trying to find out how can I do this? How can I do that? And they said, don't stop looking for the how, but start looking for the who. Who can do it? Because Mm -hmm. I might not be good at it. But if I can find the person who is good at it, who can accomplish what I'm trying to accomplish, then again, it allows me to be comfortable in my weakness because it gives me the opportunity to let somebody else be great. And so that's how I I just say, look, don't worry about it. Do your best. And when your best not good enough, find somebody whose best is good enough. And you both (laughs) should go ahead and do what you're trying to do. I love it. I think about, you know, delegation, but I like how my weakness gives you the opportunity to be great. Mm. I love that. I never thought of it that way. That's perfect. Yeah. So walking to your weakness, just being okay. And that goes back to knowing who you are. We're not supposed to be good at everything. Right. You know, technology, like you've helped me with technology. Like what? I do what? (laughs) So 
<laughs> so it's like, all right, you be great. So it's like, yeah, it's really understanding that. And I think that really will help the world. You know, we're not all meant to be exactly the same. Being honest with your strengths, honest with your weaknesses and using that to really balance things out. Oh my goodness, I love that. Mm -hmm. Woo! And then using all that, how do you find your success and fulfillment after acknowledging your failures and walking in your weakness? How is that help going to help us find our success and fulfillment? Yeah. One of the things that I I always say, um, my definition of success, and I say, well, success is defined by the person in pursuit of it, right? And so my definition of success or what seems to be success to me may not be what seems to be success to you. And so, again, we talk about going back and, and knowing yourself. So knowing to myself, what is what is success to me? Not looking on social media, not comparing myself to what other people have or what other people have done. No, what is successful for me? And at a, at one time, success was just, just having a good job and just having a, a house and being able to take care of myself. Well, over the years, that have changed for me, right? Because after my mom passed away and one day my, my sister, one of my sisters, I have five sisters, one of my sisters was going through some things and she called me and she needed some help. She needed some financial help. And so at that moment, I thought about it. I said, well, my dad, who was out of our rock at this time, my dad is much older, you know? And I said, well, it's, it's no longer his responsibility to be able to take care of the family. Now it goes to me and my brothers to not only take care of ourselves, but be able to be a rock for my sisters. So we have to be able to be a rock for our sisters because we never know what's going to happen with their marriages and their relationships, you know? And so that changed my mindset. So now, no, it's not just good enough that I have a house and I have a car and then I'm okay, but I need, I need some abundance to make sure my family is okay. And not only that, now that I'm in this realm of helping everybody that I I can come across with. Now I need even more abundance so I can help even more people. And so that that purpose began to change, you know, in my life and, and that version of success began to change. And, you know, some people like, I want to be rich and famous. I said, well, I want to be rich. I don't necessarily want to be famous. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I would love to be famous or well-known in the the parameters of my of my purpose. So when yes. we talk about uh, pod, being podcaster and being a speaker, yes, I do want to be to be known in those areas because that means I'm reaching more people. But if outside of that area, you know, all the extras to you, you don't need to know me. I want to be able to walk to the store and, and come back and don't have to worry about people like, oh my God, Dan's earnest. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I can deal without the fame outside of the parameters of my mission. But definitely, I would love to be rich and not for my own benefit. Uh, one one thing, uh, I think it was Dr. Uh, Eric Thomas. I think I heard him say, giving his own testimony, and he said, why would God bless you if it's only for you? Because he's already given you enough for you. So why would he bless you for more if you're only going to be selfish and keep it all to yourself? Yeah. But he blesses you to be a blessing to somebody else. And so that's kind of became my my part of my mission and, and my purpose now to strive for greatness uh, and success within myself. But not just so I can say I'm great and I'm successful, but because now I can help so many others become great and successful themselves. Yeah, I love that. You know, like, you know, finding your success is so key. People need to understand that. 
because you got what society tells us what success mm-hmm. is, but really success goes to your definition, your own definition of success. Like my definition of success is being able to wake up in the morning and having my health and having my energy and having my ideas and having my own business and being free to, you know, work in my own world, you know, with helping people. And, and, you know, I was thinking about my podcast and I know at first I was like, Ooh, I want to get all these listeners and, you know, eight, eight downloads the first week or something like that. But out of those eight downloads, one person got back with me, you know, in the beginning stages, I was like, I'm gonna quit. Nobody cares about my podcast. But then one person said, I love it. The one of those eight really reached out to me and said, you know what, what you said helped me. So my success is, hey, if I help one person, Mm -hmm. I'm good. You know, so it wasn't about downloads and popularity and how many people, you know, you know, you know, I, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that is so important is what is your definition of success, you know, and it has to be true to you. And again, it goes back to who you are. And right now it's like rich and famous, you know, it's not important, you know, make mm-hmm. sure I have enough to take care of myself and my family and really be able to be there for others. Yeah. I get that. I agree with you on that one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. (laughs) So we did bring it back to our what we were going to talk about originally. But you know, people need to understand there's so many, there's so many paths. But really, the core thing is getting to who we are. I know I've been saying that a lot. That might be the title of this podcast. But (laughs) the paths to getting to who we are. (laughs) But you know, it might be for me, it was my health issues, you know, that helped me get to who I who I am. For you is your marriages that helped you get to where you are and the relationship you have with your parents. So there's so many paths, but at the end of the day, who we are is someone who's healthy, someone who understands our weaknesses, our strengths, someone that understands, you know, our failures aren't really failures. They're lessons that help us get on the right track. So it's our responsibility to really pay attention to these things that happens in our lives and being there for others, you know, our children are supposed to learn from our mistakes and they're supposed yeah. to be better. <laughs> Generations are supposed to be getting better, yeah. not worse. Right. So this is key. So I think what we discussed had to be discussed and I know it's gonna really help somebody. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Ernest, any any final comments you wanna share uh, for our listeners? Um, the, one, the one thing, and, and I think it's the, the core of what we've been talking about. And like you just mentioned uh, about knowing who you are and being comfortable with yourself. Just on yesterday, I was having a conversation with one of my nephews who's going through some things. And one of the things he deals with is, is anxiety. And just in the midst of our conversation, I said, well, I can tell right now, most of your anxiety comes from not having a plan because you have no direction. I said, so you have to sit down with yourself and figure out where you want to go and what do you want to be and what do you want to become? And once you figure that out and then begin to make a plan to get there, most of your anxiety is going to go away because your fear is the fear of the unknown. And because you haven't taken the time to really contemplate all these different areas of your life, it's just like you feel with question marks all the way across the board. And so when you get any one thought in your head is like, oh my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And so that's when your anxiety, you know, at least in his case, that's when that anxiety kicks in. And so 
I think we definitely need to take the time to learn to become one with ourselves, to learn who we are, to learn why we are the way that we are. You know, and I'm a big component of, of self-development, learning about yourself and 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 the things about you that you may not even have realized or recognized, you know. And so when we learn more about ourselves and then take in consideration of who we are and being taking that truth of who we are and not lying to ourselves about who we think we are and who we portray to be, no, but who we really are. And now we can make steps to get from who we are to who we want to become. And once we start walking that journey and being truth throughout the whole journey, then we're able to get to the end goal of, of becoming exactly who we are and not only becoming who we are, but becoming who we say we are. So now we don't have to lie to ourselves. Now we don't have to lie to the world. Now we don't have to try to present ourselves as something that we not. We can be truth to ourselves and therefore allow us to be truth and honest with everybody else. And so I would say, take that journey to get to know you and who you are and what success means for you. And then once you figure that out and figure out the steps to get you there, then walk in your greatness. That's right. That's right. Love it. That's the heel deal. <laughs> yes. All right. So before we close, uh, where can they find you? Let them know, please. All right. All right. Well, <laughs> you can find me on my website, uh, which is deal, heal, fulfill, .org. That's dealhealfulfill.org. That's where you can find me there. Uh, you have a, a general um, idea of who I am and, and some of the things that I have go going on. Uh, we mentioned about the eBooks uh, earlier with the core four, which is the core four values that every um, daughter should get from her father. That eBook, as well as the others, can be found at eBooksbyEJames.com. I made it real simple. <laughs> eBooksbyEJames.com. So you guys can remember that. And as far as the podcast, definitely my Deal to Heal with eJames podcast, um, where, again, my guest and I talks about healing in different areas of our lives and every area, every area of our lives to bring healing in that, those areas. But my newest podcast, which again is a reflection of what I what I am, is the Girl Dad Discussions podcast, where me and my guests, uh, who are fathers generally, who are fathers talk about our relationship with our daughters and what it means to be a girl dad. And now I've also gotten into having daughters on to also talk about their relationship with their fathers and how much their fathers means to them. So we can fight this, narr this narrative of the fatherless daughter. That's my new podcast. Uh, if you look us up on YouTube under the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast, under that channel, you will have both podcasts is under that same channel on YouTube. Uh, and, and of course, we're on all the platforms, you know, uh, Spotify and all of that as far as the listening platforms to listen to the podcast. But you can go to YouTube where you can see it and, you know, be able to listen to it and find both podcasts there. The Deal to Heal with E. James podcast, as well as Girl Dad Discussions with E. James podcast. Yeah, he has a lot going on. So yeah, I'm, I'm I'll trying. make sure I have that in the description. <laughs> I'll make sure I have that in the show notes. So don't worry, everybody. If you didn't get that, it will be down below in the description and the show notes. I'll have all the links, everything you need to get in touch with Ernest James. And for those who are listening, uh, I would like to, I want to know your thoughts, share in the comments. 
what you your takeaways, what you thought of this conversation, and uh, definitely connect with Ernest. So thank you for being on the show today. And uh, again, I enjoyed the conversation. And to those of you who are listening, don't forget to subscribe, don't forget to follow. And until next time, go out there and achieve more freedom in your health and your life. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, seal the deal to heal by leaving a review, subscribing to the podcast, and sharing with a friend. Thanks again, and we'll continue the journey next week.